the only evidence of life is growth. Beautiful. To the extent that we are ready to get out of the comfort zone, because otherwise we don't feel like we're alive. We feel like nothing changes. Yes. And we actually desperately need that feeling of meaningfulness in our life. If your aim is very spiritual, very kind of, you know, philosophical or so noble, but you cannot execute it, mm. you are not convincing enough, you don't know how to articulate your ideas, you don't know how to lead the people, then you will never ever achieve very anything. True. Very true. Be sure to enjoy all the opportunities that are offered to you for self-development because what this is exactly what makes our life complete and fulfilling. Wellness is more than just physical health. It's your total well-being. Find out how to have a healthy, balanced life. Have a healthy body through exercise, nutrition, and engage the world through learning, problem-solving, and creativity. Talk Wellness with Anjan. This episode of Talk Wellness is powered by the Reconnect Heartfulness Initiative. The Heartfulness Initiative is a seven-dimensional wellness enablement program for you to be at your best human condition through a scientific approach to mental health and overall well-being. Reconnect believes in the power of love, empathy and human connection, in healing mental illness and empowering humans to be aligned with their purpose for holistic growth. Be a part of the mental strength movement. Visit ReconnectHeartfulness.com Talk Wellness with Anjan. On today's show, we have somebody who was an ex-corporate warrior with an international career spanning for more than 15 years across Europe and Middle East. And all this year, she's been dedicated yoga practitioner, but also has been teaching yoga and meditation for the last eight years. Combining her intense corporate career with practicing and teaching yoga gave her the number of insights on how to bridge the gap between ancient knowledge and its modern application in daily life. So basically yoga on and off the mat. Uh, today I have with me a mindfulness trainer, a personal change advocate, a yoga teacher, Diana Gladka. Thank you so much for joining us on this show. Good evening, Anjan. Good evening, everybody. Pleasure being here. Thank you for having me. Now we've chosen the topic today, spirituality and materialism or spirituality versus materialism. Do we really need to choose only one? Wow, what a powerful subject, completely aligned with my path too, uh, because I'm blending both these words. Tell us your thoughts on this subject first. Uh, well, before we start, really, I would like to uh, introduce what I mean under both materialism and spirituality, because just to save everyone, we're not getting into the deep philosophical talk about the interaction between the matter and the spirit, though it is related. But I really wanted to keep it very practical, down to earth, with some hopefully helpful insights into do you really have to choose one and mm. how to combine them in one's real life. So for me, materialism is something which has to do, which is the biggest probably criticism of with earning the money, driving the career, uh, leading the active social life, raising the kids, juggling it all. Basically living an urban city life. I would say Dubai life, really, yeah. for sure. <laughs> uh, and then spirituality, on the other hand, not opposite, but just I'm saying, on the other hand, is something which is about conscious self-development, about transformation and personal development. And again, mm. I know there can be different descriptions definitions. and uh, definitions. It can be very deep from religious to spiritual, but... I really want to highlight this part about the conscious self-development. For me, this is the real spirituality. And hence, the question is, do you really have to choose one? 
And this is already the trick, as we've discussed before, because in my view, this artificial opposition, uh, counterpositioning can create more harm than benefit, and it actually does. And exactly how I want to describe now. Uh, for example, how often we ask ourselves if or tell ourselves, if I only had more time, mm. I would start yoga practice, meditate, etc. But now I'm too busy with the down to earth, earning money, running yeah, career. Yeah, I got to pay my bills. Exactly. So that's number one. And hence, we kind of idealize that time when we got the chance to finally practice and only then it magically will happen. That's right. And this is exactly how we use the real everyday opportunities to advance ourselves right here, right now in career, in personal relationship with our kids, within our societies. So that's kind of one point. So waiting for that experience, which could happen, maybe, but pandemics are still there. Going on an expensive remote yoga retreat uh, is a little bit more complex now. True. That's number one. But second, even, uh, you know, thinking that it can, on can only happen there poisons everything else we have here. Yes. It becomes less important, less meaningful in a way. And I think this is a big problem, actually. And, uh, you know, question number two, though, is when we really idealize and separate the spiritual practice from the real life, quite anecdotal cases can come up. For example, someone puts on earphones, listens, listens to headspace, love and kindness meditation, whereas everyone has a right for mistake. We have to accept people as they are because we're all here to learn. And then he puts down the headsets, jumps on the road and literally cuts off someone on Shakeside Road yes. or yells at someone cutting him. So my question is then, has the practice really started? Mm. Yeah, and you know, if we counterposition these two notions, then what is the any other validator to what extent the practice is really working other than the real life? Yeah, for example, someone thinks that he is or wants to aspire to become a great leader. And hence, uh, he takes a very expensive Oxford Universe course in leadership, and he thinks he's done it, he's changed his character he really now is all about the knowledge the, the, yeah he's a people's person all of that stuff and then the end of year review comes back and the comments of the employees are less than rosy That's right. and this is the real feedback this is that reality check which i think all of us needs to make sure that what we practice is real it has someone common sense and it is somehow related to our real issues in real life and that's why i say you now coming back to what you said before yoga on the mat off the mat definitely the practice starts within a special place within a special time with a special person who guides you through there on a yoga mat or meditation cushion or in the yoga studio or a retreat but it's but not just for that one hour one day a week and if it has never left that space yeah I would argue, I hope somebody can disagree, let's discuss it, that your practice has not really started yet. True, true. Yeah. So, or, or rather, maybe your practice just remains for that one short time-space uh, period, unless you carry it with you for the rest of your day and week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And what I love to say is that, you know, if you practice yoga and your splits get better, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. But if your life has not improved. changed or mm -hmm. improved in any way, 
then what's the difference between the yoga practice and the fitness exercises or Pilates or anything else? I have That's nothing right. to do. I have nothing yeah, against yeah. any other practices. We have nothing against sports yeah, yoga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but we y- call it sports yoga. Well, yeah, <laughs> or, or postural practice, right? Asana but practice, yes. uh, uh, coming back to what we're discussing today is it's really kind of self-development practice. And yoga can accommodate that, provided you really blend it into your real life of the mat. Beautiful. Yeah. So that's, I think, kind of one connotation of where the importance of this topic is coming from. The second one that I want to bring up, and I think is even much more related to Dubai scene, where everyone is arriving here to work, yes. to utilize the ambitions, to advance the uh, level of life, if you will, right? And so we work a lot here. But what happens though? Like most big cities in the world. Yeah. We're London, New York, Delhi, yeah. Bombay. Yeah. It's just the norm, exactly. And so what happens with this separation of social slash work slash kind of uh, boring real life versus that ideal spiritual life is that in my view, it leads to this very mind-blowing statistics that only two-thirds of people uh, are, uh, no, actually, other way around, one-third of people are engaged at what they do at work mm. and other two-thirds are not really uh yeah fulfilled mm. they don't get emotionally engaged they don't they don't find it meaningful what they do and so in my view it can be related because you know this separation that oh just work it's just to pay my bills why right. should it really be so meaningful then leads to this disengagement okay someone could argue with me yeah but not every work should be super engaging like some some jobs are just there you know to tick the box and it's fine okay that would be okay if it wouldn't lead to the disappointment and sense of sadness depression anxiety yeah not fulfillment Mm. in what you do because just think about it for a second why i bring it actually as a biggest maybe reason to discuss this topic think about for a second we spend one third of our life at work yes it equals to ninety thousand hours 90,000 hours equals to 13 years of life. Just think about it. 13 years of life. And they do matter. This is what I'm trying to say, yeah? And so if we think that I will, it's okay, maybe I didn't even figure out what I want to do in my life yet, but it's fine just for paying the bills. But the point is that it really makes us feel miserable. Very true, very true. Now, if somebody could find fulfillment in what they do, then they no longer would need work-life balance because then life would be work and work would be life and everything would just be balanced automatically. Exactly. But this is a very interesting, uh, it's even, you know, anecdotal at the end, if you think about it the way, to really uh, do what you love, you have to get to know yourself. Yes. And bingo, what all the, mainly most of the spiritual practices, traditions talk about, get to know yourself. Yes. And so, in a way, we kind of want to separate them, but to be really fulfilled feel happy complete in your daily social life you've got to know what drives you you get to know what motivates you and for that you've got to figure that out somehow and then incorporate it in your life very true what a powerful topic today spirituality and materialism does there need to be a separation does there need to be a dichotomy now i'd like to approach this from two angles maybe people who have practiced eastern uh, you know mystical traditions or esoteric traditions like yoga meditation and other practices 
uh, but who are not perhaps materialistically successful. And people who are materialistically successful and say wealthy, not necessarily monetary wealthy, but wealthy, but have not really grown their spiritual side. I'd like to approach this from two angles. What are your thoughts on that? Um, yes, uh, I think this is a very important question. So coming back to where we just started and leading to your question, uh, this um, counter um, separation, it's kind of dualism has never been uh, like not necessarily has been there before initially and when you talk about the Eastern practices even talking about the yoga tradition or Indian philosophy there is a concept of Chatur Artha yes. or the four goals Artha meaning the goal Chatur four in, in my system we call it Purushartha yeah it's the so same thing it's exactly about the same where you have four equally important pillars or dimension of life in a way it's like 4,000 years old concept of a wheel of life that many coaches practice today yeah so the um, four pillars are the first one is artha which is everything you do for the self-gain for um, becoming successful in what you do for gaining the profession for uh, building the house raising the family it's everything which is driven by the self-interest and it's actually very normal and it should be there. Absolutely. Yeah. So point number two, pillar number two is dharma or something you do for the benefit of the others. You might be good in one profession and you're ready to do it pro bono for the service of others, helping those who are less successful than you are, for example, or doing any other service for the benefit of the society as such. Yeah. Number three is kama, having joy, having uh, you pleasure. know pleasure in life from whatever, enjoying your body, enjoying the food, enjoying the communication, enjoying all the pleasures the life has to offer. This is equally important goal to be fulfilled in life. And the last one is moksha. This is exactly in terms what's connected to spirituality is something that you do specifically to change, to mm -hmm. transform, and it can be linked to following a teacher or a practice or whatever. To find some kind of freedom or liberation. Yeah, so it's translated as a liberation indeed. Now, what I want to highlight here is that these four are equally important. They are not opposed. This is not either or. That's right. They are four equally important. And there is even a saying that, you know, this Chatur Arha or the four aims of the pillars, it's like for a cow, which is a sacred animal in India, obviously, to be able to stand on the all four limbs, they yes. have to be there. You cannot cut one or the two. And hence, anyone who wants to, in a way, diminish or, uh, you know, oppose one of the concepts comparing to another is actually doomed for uh, not very happy. Incompleteness. Incomplete life. Exactly. Talk Wellness with Anjan. This episode of Talk Wellness is powered by the Reconnect Heartfulness Initiative. Be a part of the mental strength movement. Visit reconnectheartfulness.com. Talk Wellness with Anjan. And so this is one idea which has been already there thousands of years ago and which can give us an inspiration and proof that both of these dimensions, particularly materialism or ardha and spirituality, moksha, are equally important and you don't really need to have or don't have to choose one. I'm so glad you spoke about this because in all my sessions with my clients and even in my shows, this is something that I'm talking about very often, dharma, artha, kama, moksha, I've also written about it. And it's a subject that's so close to my heart and I think it's one of the keys to merging these two worlds of materialism and spirituality. So I'm so glad you brought this up. Thank you. I'm equally passionate about the topic. So here we are. 
are. And the second idea I wanted to drop here is from the same Indian yogic tradition, we have a notion of dharma. So we already pointed out before in these four pillars. But when we talk about dharma, it's not only the service for the benefit of others, but we can execute dharma in fulfilling, executing any of our roles. Would it be a social, professional role? Something, right. so any other role we play in the society. For example, I'm a mother, I'm a teacher, but I'm also a daughter. I'm an active uh, social activist, a, a, a social activist for any topic which really bothers me, etc. And so whenever someone is really conscious about that role, he accepts that role, he uh, understands the purpose of that role That's right. in itself, according to yogic view, this is already a part of the spiritual path. Now we say that when you really know your dharma, then you don't have any confusion, you have clarity because you know that uh, monkeys can't fly and you know that elephants can't climb trees and you know that birds can't swim. So every one of us is designed uh, genetically, skill-wise and uh, body structure-wise and mentally, physically, for certain roles. And if we can, the faster we can identify and mold ourselves to those roles, we recognize our dharma. Exactly. And uh, one interesting also saying, which comes from uh, yogic texts uh, 4,000 years old, is that it's better to follow your dharma, even not fully, opposite or versus completing or executing someone else's dharma perfectly. That's right. And here we can talk, obviously, about the issues of modern life where people pretend to be not who they Actually, are. Actually, let's give everybody some practical tips yeah. on how to find their dharma. Uh, you know, I would start to analyze, first of all, what you already have. Mm. What are the roles that you already inevitably play? For example, someone, as I said, could be a mother, a professional. Or what you were good at or what you enjoyed? Uh, could be as well. Uh, and since we're talking here, you know, uh, in Dubai, where professional life is probably the biggest part of life or is for any other big uh, city, um, let's talk about also the role of profession. Uh, because if we think about that way, profession, uh, professional role, dharma, it's quite often, it's actually always existential towards our being. Yes. It's bigger than us. 100%. Let's say you come to a new job and you want to become good at it. And initially you have no idea why you have to do these things this mm. way and not other way. Because any role, any profession would have a set of principles, rules, laws, um, ethical codes, which you are not aware of yet. True, true. And what's interesting though, once you get on that step of mastering yourself in this role, you inevitably will change. For example, we cannot imagine a good doctor without having a compassion for people. Yes. We cannot imagine a teacher being not patient. Uh, we cannot imagine mother or father without so certain uh, qualities of the character, like a good mother and a good father, right? And so, Likewise, so your first tip would be to identify what are the steps you need to take to find those skills within yourself. First of all, to actualize to what extent whatever you do, you do consciously and you really understand all the laws and the principles of that role. Uh, you really become a master of that mm. role. Would it be social role again, a professional role? Or you don't really first accept it, you don't like it. Or again, it just temporarily until I figure it out. Right, the law of professionalism say whatever you do, do it to the best of your capabilities. Yes. And this is already the way of learning and changing yourself. I'll just throw here one my personal example. When I arrived to Dubai eight and a half years ago, I had the two job offers. One of them was very reputable, better paid, sounded better, uh, and it had to do something with my legal background, like a head of legal operational department. 
But the other offer I got was for the sales, for the business development. First, I knew nobody in the Middle East, but I had to sell in the Middle East. And second, I really didn't like sales because I was shy. I didn't feel like I want to bother someone with my offerings. And guess what? Because that notion of advance yourself from what through what you do was already in my mindset with right. it, through my teacher's knowledge. I picked up, obviously, the difficult choice. Yes. The not obvious choice. To move yourself out of the comfort zone. Absolutely. So that's a big tip for you, really, if you want growth. Uh, the trick to finding your dharma is to move yourself out of your comfort zone. Uh, yeah, first uh, check to what extent what you do you're already good at, uh, to what extent you acknowledge it. And second, if you really want to uh, change something in your personality, if you really want to grow, you can analyze what are the qualities you're missing and then pick up a certain uh, professional role or social role, if you like, where you will have to develop these qualities. That's right. Just to give you a couple of more historical examples, sure. uh, in some other uh, mystical traditions, for example, uh, you know, old stories come up like that. A student comes to a teacher and says, oh, teacher, I really want to become your pupil. You're so mm. great. Teach me. And so the teacher, being a teacher, looks at the pupil and says, you know, I think you're really, you couldn't be a good student, but first you need to work on your impatience. How about you go to that country, to that friend of mine who has a carpet shop and weave the carpets with him for the two years? And after that, you come back. And I, I think the then story. you are ready. You, you cannot be impatient doing something as, you know, long hours as making a carpet or another story let's say someone comes again to the teacher and he said look you're you great like i really like you but seems like you have some issues with your temper with your aggression mm, with your anger with your anger how about you go to the goldsmith and you get the knowledge from him because if you push too hard you destroy the uh, piece of jeweler yes if you don't push enough you didn't curve it perfectly and so this is that you know it, it sounds it's easy it's the fine tuning it sounds easy but to really master that quality it, you would spend hours and years and uh, blood and sweat but you will change beautiful beautiful yeah and so this is exactly the um, idea I think that how you could look at your career your professional social life as a tool for self-advancement uh, see what qualities you're missing and how you can gain them from the outer world through the profession for example <laughs> Talk Wellness with Anjan. This episode of Talk Wellness is powered by the Reconnect Heartfulness Initiative. Be a part of the mental strength movement. Visit reconnectheartfulness.com. Talk Wellness with Anjan. On that note, let's break some myths. You let's had a few lined up. Yeah, when we talk about materialism, obviously the first thing which comes to mind is money. Mm. And uh, some people accept it as a value, others would oppose it again uh, with something more uh, valuable. Like I think most of the world we can agree that money is seen as a measure for success. Could be, yeah, yeah. Most yeah. of the world sees yeah. money as a measure for success. Yeah, and that's a myth we want to break. Uh, actually, other way around. Uh, it, the myth I want to break is that whatever people do uh, socially, however they realize themselves professionally, is only driven by money. Mm. That you definitely would you know, run uh, this material race only because of money. of money. But this is actually not the case. That, that's what. So we, we're actually saying the same thing. I said yeah. that's the myth we want to break. The myth that... Money is the only thing that means materialism means only money. Exactly, yeah. So uh, if you look at the number one reason why people quit their job, and there was a very interesting study in 2018, which shows that 33% of all the people who quit their job 
do that because they are not challenged enough. Mm -hmm. And the reason of money, so uh, looking a better paid position, comes only as number four. Wow, I, I'm sure number two is they don't like their managers maybe? Yeah, exactly. Or their so, colleagues? Exactly, so this is the environment which they want to change for something more comfortable. But just think about it again, money, which we think first when we talk about social realization, materialism, comes only as the fourth number. Uh, only 19% of people quit their job because they want a, a better pay. So it is a driving factor, but remember that for success, it's not the most important driving factor. Yeah, there are different notions of success. There are different criteria of success. Uh, what I want to illustrate with this talk here, though, is that uh, we might neglect um, um, importance of what we do on a daily basis because it's kind of opposed to the spiritual development. But mm. if you look at the reasons why we quit our jobs, which in itself is a very stressful experience, you face uncertainty, it might not work, it's exactly because you seek growth. True. And so I really love the quote of Jung that uh, the only evidence of life is growth. Beautiful. To the extent that we are ready to get out of the comfort zone, because otherwise we don't feel like we're alive. We feel like nothing changes. Yes. And we actually desperately need that feeling of meaningf meaningfulness in our life. And, and that's the key then, to constantly evaluate if you're growing. Exactly, yeah. And so c coming back to the previous statistic that I show, uh, I've cited before that only one third of all the employees, it's a Gallup research, uh, is engaged in what they do. That becomes kind of very, you know, counterintuitive first to be really uh, fulfilled and like what you do is really important and to be challenged there, it's important for our, you know, well-being. But second, then we are not engaged in what we do. And mm. so there is some kind of mismatch. Why is it happening? That's right. Yeah. And um, what is also bothering me, honestly, as a, you know, someone who cares about uh, development of people, either through work or on the yoga mat, it doesn't matter for me, is that last year was a rec historically like record uh, decline in that engagement level, which is yes. already low. So in 2020, obviously the pandemic hit and that engagement level dropped from 38%, which is not much to start with, to 31%. Wow. There's a huge challenge that we're facing at the moment. And uh, that's kind of one trend. And the second, though, uh, which we can reflect now, and this is also mind-blowing, is the, n the notion of the big resignation. Mm. So I, th I think many people have heard that uh, in this year, 2021, there was a historic number of resignations mainly in the u.s but still in april there was four million people who resigned in uh, june it was another four million people and this is in the midst of the pandemic still been there That's right. despite the uncertainty despite the other laid off which are yes, happening people who are being laid off yes yeah but so this is not the laid off this is know, people who on the top of that consciously to decide to make the first step because into uncertainty the pandemic gave them the time to look within to see what they really want I think exactly that's what happened. First, we were reminded of our mortality. I, Unfortunately, I don't think there is anybody on this planet who left not touched personally through losing a close one or a friend or a family member. That's number one. It, it As much as we want to run away from the this issue of our mortality, it's right in our face right mm. now. That's number one. And number two, exactly, many people reconsidered the importance of their health. Yes. Uh, and uh, some companies did fail the employees in taking an adequate uh, care of that. That's number two. But number three, I think what's happening, and this is related to very much to what we discuss here, is that we befriended uncertainty. Yes. That we 
felt like the world is falling apart nothing and is everybody certain. had this idea that they could control things and <laughs> then they said oh no wow this virus actually took away all those notions of control away from me and we became more courageous mm. we became more bold and so yeah on the one hand the statistics says that um, most of the people who did resign uh, within the those numbers in the US is from the uh, lower paid jobs maybe in the hospitality which yes. obviously hit the most and travel uh, and travel but they joined the new industries of IT which are better paid which have a more you know longer term uh, potential for development uh and this is what really inspires me here what i was talking about that if you feel like you're not happy and trust me there's people who've resigned that could have been in that role for ages yes associating associating themselves only with this role only with those capabilities and that's kind of was the limit Very true which is why we call uh, the corona situation i mean with all the empathy for all the people who have lost family or friends we call it corona guru because during this time the pandemic has forced everybody to sit with themselves and spend time with themselves whether in isolation and look within Yeah, I think what a there, great teacher. I think there were a lot of um uh crises we had to go through and uh this is exactly in my view a connotation to the real work. It's True. not always easy and it actually has to do with the very basic things as a job, as changing the job, as making decisions which affect your life, as having the boldness to make those decisions. Very true. This is something I ask all my guests, okay? So what has been your biggest failure and what did you learn from it? Oh, what a good question. I have to reflect on that now. Um, you know, I think to a certain extent the biggest failure in my career was that sense that um everything depends on me mm. and um uh on the one hand a sense of very deep um personal responsibility. Sure. And hence corona was very helpful in that regard for me personally. Uh, and I really learned a lot and I literally changed a lot I would say um So now you reach out to people for <laughs> <laughs> Um yeah in a way but um you know when I look back into my career I would say that I was very successful but I would also I was also very successful and I did turn my failures into uh learning Challenges. curves mm. because of the yoga practice Beautiful beautiful I ask all my guests this also uh, name three people who have been most influential to you Number 1 my yoga teacher Uh, I met him 15 years ago when you I was You want to give him a shout out? <laughs> uh hi from Dubai. You know who you are. Um yeah and um yeah because when I met him I was 18 years old I didn't know anything about life and I had a very certain trajectory that already set up for me and that whole experience uh, completely uh made me to re- reinvent myself my Beautiful. life and my ideas about what I want and not want to be in this life. Because that's no- one Number 1, number 2 is obviously my daughter. As I was saying before, any um you know fully consciously following any social role, even as simple and normal as becoming a mother can completely blow up your mind. Yes. And completely change your whole world perspective, view on yourself, people and you name it. You know, I think any of the parents could definitely relate to that. So that's number 2. And um number 3, that's I would say this is my best friend. Mm. Uh we were studying together in Amsterdam. Uh we studied law and uh, we are very different. You know, we tend to uh hook with the people who are absolutely opposite to us, That's but right. this is exactly why we learn a lot. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Um what is the one common myth about your profession that you want to debunk now? 
Yeah, I think this is exactly what we're talking about, that if you're a yoga teacher, you should save people by dragging them out of the issues of their daily life, bring them to a beautiful remote yoga retreat where they can finally relax, mm. think, and uh, So this is the myth that people are. feel you should take them out of their like regular work zone to some other space to facilitate this change. And yeah. you're saying this is a myth, you don't need to do that. Uh, absolutely not. Your ashram is where you are. Uh, yeah, I think because otherwise what we've just discussed now doesn't really make sense, you know, uh, that's number one. And number two is that also uh, that yoga teachers or uh, other uh, wellness practitioners, meditation uh, teachers, is uh, someone who would tell you, uh, you know, this all is not really important. Yeah, mm. you can fail in your life or in your career or, mm. you know, it's like it will come and go. That's right. um, you know, so, kind of, uh, in a way, I would say illusionary acceptance. That's, that's right. someone who will tell you it's all fine, it will come and go, but you still feel pain or that's you right. still feel Toxic disappointment. Toxic positivity is what we call it. Yeah. Absolutely. It'll all be fine. And I think this comes from the ancient ideology that you've got to leave everything, go live in a cave, go live in a mountain, renounce things to really be able to find uh, spiritual growth. I think this is the like kind of the baggage with, with which this kind of ideology comes from. Absolutely. And uh, obviously they, they were and they still there are traditions who live this way. There but still are people who live this way. Yeah, exactly. But um, my argue is though, the argument is though that and I haven't followed that way. I wouldn't really, you know, compare it from my own personal experience. But I know for sure that it's sometimes more difficult to love your neighbor than to love the whole world. Very true. And it's, uh, you know, in a way easier to meditate in a very secluded, beautiful space where you're in the silence, observing a beautiful river in the mountains rather than do in a, it. In a corporate conference room or a traffic jam. Absolutely. And so this is coming from where we started that are you sure that your practice is working? What is a validator of your practice rather mm. than your actual life? It's the way you live your life. Out there, yeah. Talk Wellness with Anjan. This episode of Talk Wellness is powered by the Reconnect Heartfulness Initiative. Be a part of the mental strength movement. Visit reconnectheartfulness.com. Talk Wellness with Anjan. Okay, this is also something else I ask all my guests on Talk Wellness. What are the resources that have helped you along the way? So these could be books, podcasts, YouTube videos. Big question. Um, number one, obviously, reading the actual yogic texts from the yoga tradition. And there are so many of them. And right. uh, most of them are still even not translated. So it's a never-ending journey of, uh, oh, this uh, text was translated from Sanskrit and there are proper interpretations of what it actually means. Because each Sanskrit word has depth of meaning and there's so many, so many ways you can interpret it. And so many of them are misleading depending True. on which school or thought um, uh, kind of interprets that question or that text. Uh, so that's number two, number one. And number two, obviously, I'm very much into psychology. And I think, you know, there is no differentiation or conflict between the modern knowledge of human psych. And it, in a way, goes along what we or ancient yogis knew, yogis knew thousands of years ago about how the human psych functions. Uh, now we only come to the realization of this interactions. Uh, for example, that you can control your mind 
not with your mind, but for example, with the help of your breath. That's right. And this is the core of uh, yogic practices. So I would say, you know, my biggest passion, my biggest interest, it all that has to do with the self-development, hmm. with getting to understand so yourself. So anything you can recommend for people to read, do you recommend them to read the Vedas, the Upanishads, the Vedanta, the Jataka tales? What do you recommend them to read? Uh, well, obviously, if we talk about yoga practitioners, I think number one source is Yoga Sutra Patanjali. Patanjali's Yoga yeah, Sutra. Yeah, but also, uh, for example, some some of the interesting texts are from Bhagavad Gita, if you will, which actually talk about yoga as well as sure. uh, being... Um, good in what you do. Absolutely. Yoga is skillfulness in action as well. Just stay tuned to Talk Wellness. We'll give you deep insight and information. <laughs> <laughs> this is something I ask all my guests. Um, daily routines. Name something that you do every single day without fail. I would say with all the honesty is to reflect. Uh, and uh, that has to do with what triggered me, why it did trigger me, and uh, dealing with it in a more conscious way, uh, and, uh, and analyzing the reasons, analyzing what I need to work on. It can be from any sphere of life, with my child, with my partner, uh, with my colleagues, if you will. It doesn't really matter. So, And this is exactly of bringing your actual practice from the mat into your actual life. Now it's about that time. The Talk Wellness Hour with Anjan. Here's one more thing I ask all my guests. It's called shipwrecked. Now, if you were to be shipwrecked on an island and you had all the food, water and other amenities and you could only carry two things with you, what would they be? Ooh. And you have shelter also. Okay, good to know. Can I bring the loved ones? Yeah, so two loved ones or one? Two. <laughs> so? My husband and my daughter. Beautiful. <laughs> so she'd bring two humans. Uh, I call this wear Anjan's footwear. If you could step into my footwear or lack of it, because uh -huh. I'm doing the show barefoot. What is the one question that you would have asked yourself that I didn't ask you? Goodness, your questions are really difficult. Thank you. <laughs> okay, what would I ask myself that you didn't ask me? For example, if I would go back to corporate. Okay, would you ever go back to corporate? Definitely. And this is also how and where I want to debunk the myth that you can only teach yoga, practice yoga uh completely renouncing uh, the busy active social life being mm. for example corporate life uh, because again it goes against anything that I've just shared before and second is uh, because all my corporate life I've been teaching and practicing yoga and you know I can definitely say that's what really made me successful because we're many people would break under the pressure, under the responsibilities, would not be able to keep up the pace of this busy, never stopping uh, Dubai or any other uh, big city life. That's where I would, you know, in the middle of a uh, conference, go to the washroom and breathe. Mm. Or before going on the stage, uh, again, practice some breathing um, exercises to calm down my nerves. Or uh, in the middle of very difficult discussion with a client or even my ex-boss, would know how to change my perception not to get triggered emotionally it's Beautiful. not easy but you still can do it and absolutely. actually again absolutely. this is where really practice starts in my and view eventually as you practice and practice it stops being something you have to do separately absolutely and it becomes a way of life like for me now um, i i feel somehow constantly in a state of relaxation so things don't stress me out even though i'm with a corporate and I feel this has come only with years of practice of going to the washroom, like you said, before a conference, and then doing some breathing, doing yeah. some relaxation techniques, and now it's just a way of living. It becomes a way of life. That's beautiful. Now, if you had a motto, or you have a motto that you write down, written down on your phone or in your bathroom mirror, and you see it every day, what is it? Um, practice, uh, 
I wouldn't say all is coming, but I would say, you know, there is no guarantee that the practice you do will lead you to exactly imaginary result. Mm. Uh, it's much more complex than that because it has to take into account many factors. Uh, and, you know, they're quite spiritual in a way, what you, depending on what you believe in, etc. But the point is that without the practice, nothing really happens. True. And you wanted to list out a step-by-step kind of protocol for people to make changes in their life and in the world. Let's do that. Yeah, you know, my yoga teacher once told me when I was, I think, triggered by well, maybe even some of this myth about sport yoga or something. And so he told me, you don't like something which exists out there. Write an article about that. Go change give it. it. Give a lecture. Write a book. That's even better. You know, that's how he challenged me. And I think this is exactly the right way to challenge our children or even maybe the whole, all the other systems we are part of. Because if you think about it, if your aim is very spiritual, very kind of, you know, philosophical or so noble, but you cannot execute it, Mm. you are not convincing enough, you don't know how to articulate your ideas, you don't know how to lead the people, then you will never ever achieve anything. Very true. So the step by step would be first pick up the skills? Uh, well, first, I think be, uh, be be certain of what you're passionate about. As we were saying, get to know yourself. And for this, you already need some practice, yes. right? Yes. Uh, so that's one. And the second is then, uh, yeah, be very precise of what is exactly you're working on. You know, also one of the tips of my teachers is every single day, ask yourself a question, what am I working on today? Beautiful. And if you don't have the answer, meaning you're not working. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You're not growing that day. Yeah. You're not practicing. So uh, this is number two and be very precise. And third, utilize all the beautiful opportunities this beautiful abundant uh, incredibly fast changing world gives us all in terms of self-development either at work with our family in society and especially in the time of global changes like we have now amazing before we let you go uh, what are some last things you'd like to say um, well I think to sum up the topic we had today is uh, be sure to enjoy all the opportunities that are offered to you for self-development because what this is exactly what makes our life complete and fulfilling. And don't see that difference between materialism and spirituality and know that both are probably going hand in hand and they don't you don't need to see the dichotomy between them. Absolutely. It's at the at the end they complement each other perfectly. Diana, it's been a pleasure having you in on the show with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It was a real fun. Thank you. See you then. Bye. Wellness is more than just physical health. It's your total well-being. Find out how to have a healthy, balanced life. Have a healthy body through exercise, nutrition, and engage the world through learning, problem-solving, and creativity. Talk Wellness with Anjan. This episode of Talk Wellness is powered by the Reconnect Heartfulness Initiative. The Heartfulness Initiative is a seven-dimensional wellness enablement program for you to be at your best human condition through a scientific approach to mental health and overall well-being. Reconnect believes in the power of love, empathy and human connection, in healing mental illness and empowering humans to be aligned with their purpose for holistic growth. Be a part of the mental strength movement. Visit reconnectheartfulness.com. Talk Wellness with Anjan. I want to take a moment to thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to this episode. And I'd like to remind you that the perspectives that we shared on this show are of my guest and myself only. And you should evaluate if it works for you before making it yours. Always consult your own doctor, therapist and healer before you make any drastic life changes. And we would love it if you could share this podcast link with your friends, your family, your circles and talk about 
started. That's why we call this series Talk Wellness. We need your support to get the conversation around well-being to be a more prominent one. I would love to connect with you across social media. Look for Meditate with Anjan on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube. And also, please leave a review. This will help us grow. Our next episode is episode 17. And this one's going to be a solo cast with me, Anjan, where I will cover ancient principles from yoga that you can use in your work and your business. Thank you once again for your listening and for your love. Stay relaxed. Namaste. Wellness is more than just physical health. It's your total well-being. Talk Wellness with Anjan. I'm really thankful to the Reconnect Heartfulness Initiative for being the sponsor of this episode of Talk Wellness. You can be part of the mental strength movement too. Visit reconnectheartfulness.com.